Welcome to the Inside Out Money Podcast. Can't even recognize this place. Too many pieces of our past mistakes. Hi, I'm Maggie, and I believe real change starts from the inside out. So let's work together to improve our money and our lives from the inside out. We will explore all things money and our relationship with it. Join me each week with a rotating set of co-hosts, friends, and interviews. Let's jump in. Well, hi, Greg. Hey, Maggie. Today, we have co-host, aka my husband, Greg, with us, and... We're going to talk about love and relationships and money. We're going to answer some questions we've gotten from listeners about like how we've met. But I really want to spend a lot of the conversation talking about love and money and their relationship with each other. And, you know, the the age old phrase, love doesn't cost a thing, doesn't yet somehow it turns into. And it's fitting because this will air the day before Valentine's Day. And even though that's the saying, I think... Many people would actually say love is expensive. Yeah, I would say true, real love isn't expensive. And that's what I would, yeah, challenge people on. But look, I'm not knocking Valentine's Day. Everybody has mixed views on that holiday. I know everyone's got a whole Galentine's Day trend going also. Also not knocking it. I'll take any excuse to hang out with friends. But Valentine's Day is one of many holidays that has kind of become like, quote, a Hallmark holiday. And... You know, again, I don't even want to get into my feelings on Valentine's Day specifically because it's not about that. I just have very strong feelings about spending money and not trying to impress people, right? Or or not spending money to impress people, I guess is the other way to say that. And so I, I just think it like sets the wrong tone for sort of the honesty and vulnerability that is so important to make a relationship successful. And I'm not saying you shouldn't spend money on someone you love. I do it all the time. But I am more saying I don't think it should be the crux of a relationship and and the foundation of a relationship and necessary. If you don't have the money to spend, don't spend it. You can have an amazing relationship and love story and wedding and everything else and have the best relationship in the world and spend very little on each other. And you can spend tons of money on each other and have like the worst relationship in the world, right? Like there, there is no equating one to the other necessarily. I just feel very strongly about like intentional and value-based spending, which I know we talk about a lot on here. Yeah, I agree with everything you've just said. And I think it's important to find someone who shares your values around money. And if you're both big spenders, then... You know, maybe that can work. I don't know how it'll work financially, but at least you're aligned on. Well, hopefully, you're also your... big earners. If you're if you're gonna right. be big spenders, you just gotta be big earners too. So well work. said. Yeah. Okay. Before we get started, or maybe we are started. I'd just like to give a shout out because I have a warm cup of freshly brewed decaf coffee in my hand. It's like two o'clock. So I mean, I drink decaf at eight a.m., but it, it is two o'clock. So I think many people are drinking decaf by now. This is not about decaf. This is about the warm coffee in my hand that you just made me. And I really try to appreciate 
the like little things that you do for me, Greg. And I just want to give a shout out that making coffee is one of those things that you do on a day in and day out basis for me. You do it in the morning. Like you have, if you're off somewhere, you leave every time I walk out and I sleep in later than you or you get the kids ready or whatever it is. I walk out to the kitchen. The Keurig is prepped. It has the right amount of water in it. It has a pod that he's we make. He makes his own Keurig pods because you know we're frugal. Frugal and environmentally, yeah. yeah Environmental well. is a huge yeah. piece for that, actually. Yeah. He the pods in there. It's he stuffed it with my he, decaf because I'm the only one that drinks decaf in the morning in this household, and I know it's got my decaf pod. Sometimes there's even a little note on it, but there's just like always a coffee, and then you're always offering like throughout the day. You're always like, do you want to? Can I make you a coffee? Like right before this, he was like, can I make you a coffee for when we record? And I was like, actually, thank you. That would be lovely. But you you just do like those to me, that thing you do for me, like on a consistent basis that is just little and thoughtful, a small act means more to me than anything you could ever buy me. I just want to let you know that, Greg. Well, that is really sweet. And I appreciate you saying that. And that's part of the reason I love you is because I think you value those small things and I do as well. Okay. Okay. I'm done gushing on you for a moment, but we'll get back to that. So we frequently get the question from listeners and I think someone actually requested we do a whole episode on this. So let's consider that this episode, how we met and how our financial story evolved together to us retiring early. So let's hit both of those points. And do you want to start with how we met, Greg? Yeah, yeah. So we met, we were both coming out of longer marriages, 10 years each, which is kind of kind of interesting, very similar stages of life. And young um, kids, young right. kids, and trying to figure out this new divorced life. And we met online, I actually had signed up for a now defunct website called chemistry.com owned by match which more people have heard of. Right. I got a an email with, you know, here's some people that we think you might be a good match with. Or or sorry, it probably actually said that you have good chemistry with yeah. in keeping with their little thing. And, um, and you know, you did some personality tests. And so even though they went out of business, I think they, you know, it was yeah, a good it company yeah. based on at least our, One success uh, our case. you know, experience. So got this profile, read it. I enjoyed it. I loved it. There was one little tagline under her uh, her, her screen name or username, and it said focused but fun. And I think that uh, <laughs> that describes Maggie pretty well. And I enjoyed her profile. I clicked on it, said I liked her. And within a, I don't know, day or two, got a, this person likes you back. And then it said, this person has sent you a message. I was excited to read the message, clicked on it, and realized that I could not read the message because I was dun, not a dun, paid dun. member yet. So I then thought, okay. I, I just like to take it back. Love does cost us. Well, thing, exactly. By that's the way. that's where Costs I was like gonna. How much? Nineteen ninety five. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What does love? What did love cost yeah, you, Greg? It was nineteen ninety five. Yeah. Well worth it. <laughs> what a deal. <laughs> but I mean, I there was some part of me that thought. Oh, what if I like check pay for this, check this message, and the message says, oops, sorry, didn't mean to like you back, not exactly interested, but good luck out there. Yeah, you seem and like I was a nice guy. Frustrated. I kind of was worried, but that was not the case. To be clear, you didn't you were worried whether it was worth it to pay the nineteen ninety five because you weren't sure if it was like a good legit message from like a real 
Right. It wasn't yeah. about you. It was more yeah. just, I have no idea what the message says. And yeah. what if it truly is something that just says like, yeah. oh, sorry, you know, you seem yeah. like a nice person, but not a fit for me. Just that's I, your, that's your fixed mindset. At, that, that is at work. Cause a growth mindset would say, this is my soulmate on the other end of 1995. That's fair. So we then messaged. Can, can I just tell the other side of that? Story yeah, real please quick? do. Cause I do think it's kind of interesting or unique. So we both came out of these 10 year marriages coincidentally. And I had, I went, I was like, I just was like, it was a very sudden thing to me. And I, I was, I went on this eat, pray, love trip. I'll just sum it up as that. I was like, I want to go. I, I just, I was like, I got to get out of here. Like this is, I wasn't, I just was like, I haven't been out on a date. I mean, I remember joking to my friends, like I got to shave my legs. Like I haven't been out on a date since college. And I just needed this, like, I needed to get away. And one of my very good friends, who's a fan of the podcast, shout out to Mary, had also gone through a recent breakup of a long, not not a marriage, but a long-term relationship. And she was down for a trip. So we went to Barcelona for two weeks. It was an awesome trip. On that trip, we decided to both create dating profiles. We lived in two different, she lives in San Diego. I live in Atlanta. So she was doing something that was like some popular site in San Diego. So we were on different sites, but we created profiles and we started like reading some of the, you know, like seeing other people's after we created our own profiles. And it was kind of depressing. Like I really was just like, wow, is this what's out there? And we made a pact to, so we had created the profiles. Then we made a pact to not look at those sites for the rest of our vacation because we were like, this is depressing. And like, let's enjoy Barcelona. And we enjoyed Barcelona. I got home and also, like, I think saw that you had pinged me and then sent you back a note. And so it was just like, it was kind of cool. It was the very, I literally just gotten on a website is my point. And I was kind of like, there's, this is going to be rough. And then I met you. Well, it's kind of crazy because I think often about how fortunate it is that we met. You know, there are some love stories not that any are better than others, but where people work together or they were friends or they, you know, they, they, there were multiple times in their lives where they were consistently crossing paths and it was just a matter of when and not if. Yeah. And with our story, I mean, if I hadn't seen that email and clicked like, if you hadn't, you and Mary hadn't decided to do those profiles. And then, yeah. I mean, there's so many little things that could have changed yeah. and we may not have ever yeah. connected. And, and that would be very sad to me. Yeah. So it's, I feel so fortunate that no, the stars aligned, you know, it's kind of crazy. I, I don't know that I like always believe in fate or whatever you want to call it, but I, I do think it's pretty cool that we met the way we did given all the things also like i accidentally didn't set the like mileage range like greg knows i was real big i was like i'm not moving from where i live i'm very rooted in this community and he lived about an hour away like you know 45 50 minutes away in like a, an extreme suburb of atlanta in my opinion because i'm like grew up here and i got a small window or a small radius i work in and so i had i like been paying closer attention i would have set a smaller radius i would have set like a 10 to 20 mile radius and i wouldn't have you wouldn't have popped for me and so there's like little things where it's like oh i didn't mean to do that and luckily you were amenable to moving down the road so after a lot of messaging emailing Talking on the phone. Talking on the phone. Uh, we eventually met for our first date and it was great. I was a little nervous, which is, I think, a good sign. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the rest is history. I mean, a, a fun little financial fact. You had to pay that 1995 because you just did like one month. I prepaid three months because it was a better rate. And I was like, this is going to take a while. So I, in the meantime, was like, I would like my money back. I don't need additional months. I'm just sort of half joking, but... 
I think I had to pay like 80 or 90 bucks to meet you and you only yeah. had to pay 1995. Well, at some point too, I, I mean, I was worried you were just going to say, I, I like you, but I, I have to get my money's worth. So I'm going to keep dating <laughs> for a few more months and we'll see where things go. Well, you joke, but I did. There was an element of our relationship early on where I was like, I really like you and I'd like to meet you a year from now because I just really felt like I needed to like, I, I think this is the wrong term for this, but like sow my wild oats kind of like. Like, I just felt like it wouldn't, like, what are the odds that, like, the first person I really seriously, like, go out with is who I'm going to be with forever, you know? like Well, you fear that it's a rebound relationship, yeah, right. potentially. Yeah. And, and that you haven't seen what else is out there, and, yeah. like, you know, all these things. I mean, back to the, like, faith thing. There were, like, a lot of signs. And I don't, again, I'm not sure I necessarily believe in signs. But I do believe in what it ma- what it takes and makes to make a relationship successful. And there were a lot of those signs where like we were aligned in our thinking, including financially, you know, our financial story kind of evolved, which we can talk about. But even just at the beginning, I think we, you know, we like little things like we would rather go to a more casual restaurant than go out to some like fancy meal. Like we just, we weren't big spenders, either one of us, you know, for maybe different reasons, even in the beginning. But like, we just, I think we were just just like aligned to like we would rather go for a hike than I can't think of the opposite of going for a hike. Well, I remember one of our my favorite early-ish dates that you planned and it was on a Tuesday because that was our night without kids usually. Time, so we would yeah. we would go on dates on Tuesdays and you planned this date. We went to a drive-in movie oh, and yeah. we picked up pizza from Mellow Mushroom, which is not, you know, budget. It's not inexpensive pizza but it was you know it wasn't a fancy dinner somewhere and a six pack of beer and you made brownies with butterscotch chips in it that was my grandma's recipe yeah Yeah. and it was fun i mean i had such a great time that was fun what else did we do at the drive-in greg i'm just kidding okay let's keep going (laughs) so do you remember what movie we saw we saw the movie with zach efron neighbors i think with him and zach rogan Joe Rogan. Z- no, not, no, not jo- Joe Rogan. Zach, He's the podcaster. Uh, Zach Efron and... Rogan. Tim Rogan. No. J- it's not Jeez, Rogan. What? It's Seth Rogan. Seth. Seth Rogan. You're right. Seth Rogan. Poor okay. Seth. I don't know his name. Yeah, you have a good memory. I couldn't have pulled out that piece of information for you. Another example of like little signs early on, which again, signs is not, but like, fl- you know, you, there's like red flags and then there's, what's the opposite green of red flags. flags? Green flags. I'll say there were a lot of green flags. So a couple of fun green flags. One, when we were like emailing and just, you know, there's a lot of like, you're getting to know someone and banter. And like, I said, what kind of car do you drive? I think you can tell a lot about a person by the kind of car they drive. And look, keep in mind, this is coming from me. So if you tell me you drive like a BMW three series, I'd be like, could you afford that? You know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think you're like cooler for it. I, I'd more question your finances and like, you know, I, m- I might actually judge the opposite. The nicer car you had, it might be like a red flag perhaps. Anyways, you said you drove a Prius and I also drove a Prius and I was like, ooh, like a guy that cares about the environment. That's sexy. And a guy that's like kind of practical and just, you know, that's a very, I don't know, practical car. It was a paid off Prius it, too. Oh man, geez. Whew. Yeah. Gets me hot just thinking of a paid off Prius. But that, that to me was like a big green flag. And then I also, at some point we became Facebook friends and I realized that you, you, we knew someone in common, but it was like a real obscure person to me. And I, it was like a friend of a friend. And I was like, well, how do you know that person? And then it turns out you lived next door to one of my best friends from growing up's husband who met through me and you knew him. 
And so I, I immediately like go to him and I was like, wait, you know this guy, Greg Woods? And he like totally vouched for you. And like y'all hadn't kept in touch a lot since college, but he like was like, oh, he's a good guy. And you had you had transferred from that school. So you didn't know him as well after that. But for a while, you guys were like buds in college. Yeah, for like two years. It wasn't just an acquaintance. I mean, yeah, this was sorry. someone that was in my daily yeah. hangout group. Group, yeah. Both freshman and sophomore years. And he, so. w- he was now in my daily hangout group. And so it was um, just a cool, like, you know, it always helps when someone can, like, vouch for somebody um, in real life. And so just all these, like, interesting, you know, again, like, green flags. And I think there were many of them. Like, you were just, like, an incredibly nice, kind person. I saw the way you were with your kids. And so we we met, we blossomed very quickly, I would say. We, you know, again, my biggest hang up was like feeling like I met you too soon on this journey, you know, but that was just in my head. That wasn't like a ration. That was a, you know, there was no real thing there other than just like a, a mindset of like, well, I should, you know, this should be later on. Or again, like thinking it, you know, felt like a rebound or something. But we just, we, I think we clicked very well, very fast. And, oh, you're cute. You're like smiling at me. <laughs> We're in the same, he's like looking, he's like gazing at me from across the room. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it was great. And I mean, I think we had a lot of fun and we still have a lot of fun, but I think, you know, our early dating life was, was fun and it was scary for both of us, I think, because we had both been through, you know, such changes in life. And yeah. when you're dating with young kids, it's a much different ball game than when you're, you know, dating early in life. And so it was, it was fun. It was a little scary, but it was pretty great. We, I would actually sum it up with like, we had a lot of chemistry, right? Like physically and emotionally. And we also had a unique experience of if you've ever been divorced or know anyone who's divorced, you all of a sudden have time without your kids the first time in a long time because your kids are with your other spouse, your ex-spouse at some point. Right. And so you're, you're, you know, custody is going on and off. And so, yeah, we would have every other weekend together. And like you said, too, you have a good memory, Tuesday nights at the time. And we would have that without kids, which was, you know, when you're like in your mid 30s or were we in our early 30s then? Early to mid 30s. I would say. I think I was in my early 30s. You were in your mid, whatever. And we we just had like one, you know, it's hard to get to know each other when you've always got kids around, even in your current marriage, right? And we just had a lot of like good time to like, we could go to concerts and like, we could just do like a lot of fun stuff. And we had a nice mix of like time with our kids, time to focus on work and time together and to really like enjoy time together and get to know each other. And it was just like, you know, looking back on that, it was a fun time for sure. Yeah, it was definitely. I remember a lot of butterflies. Like in your stomach? Yeah. Oh, okay. Good, good butterflies, oh, though. Cute. I was yeah. like, did we go see butterflies somewhere? <laughs> Should we talk a little bit about our yeah, the financial, financial piece? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of people ask us this on like, you know, did we both know we wanted to early retire when we met? No, I did not have that as a personal goal. You did not even know what that was. I'm not sure I even knew what that was at the time. I mean, that was... Yeah, I don't remember you talking about that yeah. at all when we... Hey, as of next month... We will have, we met 10 years ago, right? Right. Uh, yeah. Well, April. Oh, right. Earth Day, yeah. right? Wasn't Earth Day the first day we mm-hmm. met? Is that April 20th? Did I make that up? Oh, no. Oh, whatever. So- Earth Day is our meeting anniversary. And we, so that was 10 years ago is my point. I did not really like know much about fire. I don't think I knew about it at all. So maybe we just could like share where we were each at financially. Sure. I, divorces are expensive. And- <laughs> That's a good way to start it. Not anything specifically different about 
my divorce or too specific about it in general, but you take one household that is two incomes, two incomes and, and one home, and you split that up. And now you've got two separate homes and you're dividing things. And, and so it's... And, and I'll throw in, in like 90% of the cases, the man, regardless of incomes, is paying some level of child support. Yeah. So there's that too. Yeah. And so for me coming out of my divorce, I had a real focus on reducing my expenses, remaining cash flow positive. I was not trying to save massive amounts at that point, but but trying to establish a good trajectory. You were trying not to like be in the red every month, right? Exactly. Like you wanted to... Yeah. yeah. And I had a, a really good friend who helped me through a lot of my divorce, both emotionally, he'd, he'd been through one and, and lived nearby. This was a college friend I reconnected with. But even financially, he would help me think about those things. And I think I was feeling overwhelmed. And he said, you got to get cash flow positive. That's step one. Don't don't over worry about everything. Yeah, just do what you can do to get cash flow positive every month. And that was like a very doable thing for me. Yeah. So fast forward by the time Maggie and I started dating, I had achieved that. I had I had always been someone that, you know, saved in my retirement account. So I remember one day we were talking about retirement accounts. Did and I, I think did we, I ask you the size of your four one K? I think so. I that think it sounds it's, like something I would ask. There was one day where we were like kind of, you know, tell me yours and I'll tell you mine. You show and me yours and I'll we, show you. We mine. talked about our retirement accounts and I think it was reassuring to both of us that we, you know, had both been people who saved. And yeah. just along those lines of like we were we didn't have, we weren't aspiring to fire, but we were both savers. We both had, you know, we had retirement accounts. We were putting into them. We were both people who didn't carry debt. I, I did at some point carry credit card debt, but by the time you and I met, I had either paid that off or paid most of it and was was really on a positive financial trajectory and really wanted to meet someone that shared that value. And I remember this same friend, even we were talking about dating and it back to the Prius. This made me really like this guy. I had said something like something along the lines of, man, if I'm going to be dating again, you know, can I still like, do I need to get a new car? Like, can I show up for a first date in a Prius? And he was very adamant. He drove a Honda Civic and he said, if the the person you're going to be dating cares about a car, they're not the person you want to be dating. Yeah. And maybe you want to date them in the short term, but they're certainly not the you person want you want to you want to be um, you know pursuing with. for a you know as a partner. And that was just so reassuring because I you know again, I was overthinking everything, worried about everything. And then to a few months later to meet you and you know, you reaffirm that oh, that's so cool that you drive a Prius. I do too. That's really it, it just it takes lined pre- up. Yeah, and it, it takes the pressure off. And then you do, there is a, there's like a connection in a vulnerability point and, and kind of realizing like, oh, we care about the same stuff, right? And like, that is very, I think that's a super attractive quality. And look, we'll share some research in a little bit that actually shows other people also think that's a super attractive quality. Perhaps not everyone, but there are people out there that think some level of, you know, financial savviness and being responsible with your money is pretty sexy. Right. So. so to sum up my my perspective coming in, I think we're both financially uh, responsible. We have some savings. We are not big spenders, but we're also not thinking about fire. Yeah. 
yeah. I don't know if you have what, you know, yeah. your thoughts are. I mean, mine was similar in the sense of like I've said before, I was always somewhat just frugal by nature my whole life and started, you know, slowly making more and more money and not really inflating my lifestyle. And I was in a mode of like aggressively paying off my mortgage and really wanting to be mortgage free. And so that kind of, it's like, I, I didn't have a fire goal, but I did for some reason just want to be debt free. And that felt like a cool thing to do. And so I was already like on that journey when we met. And so I think it just put me in a very good financial position kind of from the start. And it felt really, you know, like we said a few times, like it felt really good to meet someone else who also had a similar mentality. And I say around money, but to me, it's about around like what's important in life and just that it isn't all about money. Like I want some level of financial security and that's important to me in life. But I think the whole money angle is more that like I had realized that money wasn't going to bring me long-term happiness. And I think you had realized something similar, even if we couldn't have verbalized it that way at the time. Yeah. Well, I remember even early on, in my career reading some study that had come out that said that and this big study that said that a certain amount of money is essential for yeah. well-being and security and brings happiness but then beyond that there was a a, a it was like a decreasing yeah. correlation between income increasing and happiness increasing and yeah. and um that always had stuck with me and many people have like debunked that survey, by the way, now. Yeah. But I still think it's the spirit of it, I believe, is accurate, right? There's a, it, for me at least, there's a point at which there's some like creature comforts I get to have. And then there's a point at which, and I felt it myself, like more money was not making me more happy. Yeah. It was like more money, more problems. Yeah. Sorry. And Mo money, mo problems. In the words of the dearly departed, notorious B.I.G. I like it. I mean, I don't like that he's departed, to be clear. Yeah. I like his music, <laughs> is what I meant. So just to fast forward, we were both pretty aligned going in around our finances and just our mentality around money. And there wasn't like a moment when all of a sudden we like had a goal to early retire together, right? It really slowly evolved, right? Like there were, I think we talked a lot about work and what mattered in life. And I think there were times on and off over the years where one or both of us was really stressed out and overwhelmed by the amount we were working and we would talk about that a lot and we would talk about what we cared about and we would talk about you know just what mattered to us and I think eventually I started getting a little bit more into like reading more about fire stuff and learning more about it event and I kind of had like interacted with Kirsten and Julian who worked at the same company as me so I was familiar with their journey and I first learned about the concept of early retirement through them and then Eventually, I met Mike, and I think that, who is my former uh, co-host on Friends on Fire, we podcast together for three years between 2020 and 2023, yeah. And he that really, like, that influence and relationship really, like, supercharged a lot of our thinking and getting, like, more aggressive and just sort of realizing that, like, I, I always talk about early retirement and that like three things were happening at the sl same time that, that slowly converged together and created the spark. You like that? That works. The spark we needed to fire ourselves. And those three things were, we were more and more stressed by work. It was like, it, it, it was just, and not just stressed, everybody's stressed by work off and on, but I think we more and more were like disenfranchised with like, we, we had both reached 
great levels of success, probably more than we ever expected to reach in our lives. If you had like asked us at some point in our lives and we're realizing like it didn't really bring like happiness with it. It brought a lot of like bureaucracy and stress and just... And disenchanted might be the word. Yeah, yeah. I think we both just were kind of over it. Yeah. And that sounds like a privileged thing to say because, but I mean, we were getting to the point where we said... What's this all for? Like, yeah. why are we doing this? And Looking at our kids, like, what, you know? Yeah, and, and saw that there was a potential on the horizon. Okay, so the first thing was we were getting disenchanted with work. The second thing was we were, were getting better and better at, like, our savings rate was getting higher and higher. And we were realizing, like, financially, we could do this. And we, we, we could do this in a few years, especially if we really buckle down and, like, get even more aggressive on our savings rate, which we did. And then the third thing is I think both of us tied to the like disenchantment with work we're having more and more like life is short moments you know like we were looking around at our kids we were looking at just how tired we were and how like just just constantly running everywhere and just frantic and we were seeing people our age getting diagnosed with cancer people our age dying like all just all of these things that i think just made us have these like what are we doing with our lives moments you know and so i think to me those three things were slowly converging and kind of created this spark that eventually we just kept lighting and again i'm like playing with this uh fire fire uh, metaphor here but and eventually we realized and and i think then covid hit well yeah i was gonna add covid is a fourth yeah uh, fourth fuel to the fire (laughs) covid was like throwing some kerosene on the fire kind of because i think it just it showed us that things could change in the world it showed me that yeah it showed me that my identity wasn't work i didn't think it was but it's hard to tell when that's what you live and breathe yeah every day and to be working from home and have more time with family to it, see it your gave kids us a taste of a little more freedom and time with our kids yeah and, and, and i it. think yeah i think i found personally that i like this i like being more present with the kids i don't need to have a title or a you know yeah. some some recognition from work to be happy that i am happy when i'm being there for my family yeah if anything you needed the opposite you were just realizing that was like not making you feel good right there were more like negatives at work than there were positives yeah so that so that just slowly evolved again like covid sort of threw some kerosene on it and we eventually not just like one day like we eventually were like there were times that we said like one of us was going to do it first it was kind of a running joke of like who had a bad day and like you're gonna like someone needs to keep insurance and so we just slowly were like learning more and more and it was you know it was post vaccine and kind of life getting quote back to normal that we finally like decided to pick a date and it kind of started to align with when everybody was like really forcing you to go back to the office too which was nice because i was like i don't I don't know if I can do it. I would do it on a small basis. And I was like, this is a lot to like put some pants on and like drive to work. And so, yeah, we picked a date and we we wanted to do it before the summer. And we want because we were going to wanted to take like a cool trip with our kids over the summer to kind of celebrate and commemorate it. Your birthday is May 7th. Greg thought it would be, I think May 6th was like a Friday. And mm-hmm. Greg was like, well, then I can say I retired when I was 43. If it's the next day, I have to say I retired when I was 44. So I was like, okay, let's get you retired by 43. I think at some point my work even asked if like some date was negotiable. I was like, no, because Greg's birthday is on the 7th. So I turned into a pumpkin on May 7th. It's got to be the 6th. But we, yeah, we finally like picked a date. And, you know, I think, I think we had a firm plan about a year, like nine months to a year before that date. We knew the date. I had told my work like much earlier than you told your work, but you still you still told yours like pretty early. Or yeah, were they close? 
seven months. Yeah, I think I did like nine months or something. Something not ridiculous that I would not recommend. But so yeah, that is our story, and I hope it's I don't know interesting. We again, I get a lot of questions around it, so I hope it's uh, interesting, and I hope it's like to me the value in sharing that. I I like to remind people that there's somebody out there that thinks the way you do about the world and has the same values you have and like hold out for it, right? Like don't settle. I mean, there's certain things where like you sh- you're not gonna, you know, like nobody's perfect. And, you know, there's, there's things where you should, uh, settle is the wrong word, but where you should realize like everybody's different and everybody brings with it, you know, uh, they're tapping and, you know, whatever kind of things they do. Greg makes noises while he eats. I'm just joking. Everybody makes noises while they eat. I just don't, I have like misophonia self-diagnosed where you don't like to hear people eat i'm just joking greg you make the same level of noise everybody makes while they eat anyways there's just my point is like there are people out there and especially when you think about like financial feels like something where you might be being superficial i actually think it's the opposite right like you are not you're not looking for someone with tons of money you're looking for someone who has financial views that are aligned with yours. And I think it's worth mentioning if you're already in a relationship with someone you love dearly, there's still so many things you can do to get aligned financially. And we, you and I, Greg, actually did an episode on this called Love and Money, Navigating Finances in a Relationship, which is episode 128 on the Inside Out Money podcast. And we'll put a link in the show notes. But there's a lot of things you can do in your existing relationship to get more aligned if you aren't naturally aligned. But if you're single, like look for someone where you are naturally aligned, because I think it is a huge factor of the success in a relationship, like just being... I mean, it's just, it's a big thing that can cause disagreements in a relationship. And so for you to be aligned on your financial views, I think is really important. And the research supports that. So in that other episode I mentioned, we shared a lot of different research and stats, but I alluded to this earlier. There is actually research that shows saving money is sexy. And I I said it before, like I totally agree. So there was a 2022 study called for love and money from an organization called Life Happens. And it found that people are attracted to partners who plan ahead and that more and more people are talking openly about their money before saying I love you and committing to a relationship. And so there were some cool stats, like 67% of those in a relationship agree that there is nothing sexier than saving money. I totally agree. That's impressive though. Yeah. I I think... I I don't know if that's, I'd love to see this trended. Yeah. And if that was the case 15, 20, 30 years ago, or if people are becoming more. I'd love to see that broken out by sex. Also. Well, that would be interesting male, too. Female, yeah. et cetera, non-binary. 74% of people said that it took between one and eight months to be comfortable talking about their finances with their partner. While in that same period, only 42% would say, I love you. It's kind of confusing to track, but you get well, it idea. is, and it's such a span of one to eight months. It's a long yeah, it's a time long window. That's a, yeah. Well, I think it more is the idea is like you're not talking about money on the first date, right? But I don't know. I might have asked you the size of your four hundred one k on the first date. No, I waited. It's not first I waited date. It was while. yeah. It was a few weeks. I already knew you drove a Prius, so I was like, okay, that'll get you a few weeks. Then I'm gonna ask about the four hundred one k soon. Forty two percent describe financial security as one of the most attractive traits to have in a romantic partner. Fifty nine percent would feel more secure in their relationship if they discussed getting life insurance with their partner that's a very specific stat yeah sponsored by the life insurance industry and 51 percent say that the right time to do that is before marriage well definitely um anyways the point is saving money can be 
super sexy. And you got to find the person that thinks that's sexy. And, you know, if you're, I've said this before, and I'm not giving you any specific relationship advice because I don't know, I'm talking, not talking to you, Greg, talking to the listeners, but I don't know your individual situation and I could never know all of the intricacies of it. But I do believe if you're early on in a relationship and there's already like huge red flags around financial stuff, like that to me would be a big like, ooh, I got to get, uh, we got to be able to at least talk about this. And if we can't talk about it constructively and maturely and vulnerably and honestly, I might be out of here. Yeah, I think that's really well said because again, everyone's got to do what they're comfortable with and they're going to fall in love with who they fall in love with. And some people, you know, have not had good financial practices due to some circumstances that could be within their hands and without. But I think your your point, especially of, can you, can you have an open conversation about it? Yeah. Can you talk about, Hey, this isn't ideal. How do we change this? This is yeah. an important part of our relationship. To me, that's really critical. So yeah. if you can't even do that, that's a really big red flag. And and how are you going to do that later down the line if you can't do it earlier? I think it's it's really critical. And I think you've got to find someone you are aligned with financially. And if you are having to spend huge sums of money to attract the right partner, yeah, to woo that's them not going to that's yeah. not going to change. You're going to and and again, it's fine if you if you're a big earner and you like blowing money, then. Yeah, do it. You may be very happy in your life, but I think you really got to look in your heart of hearts and find out what your values are and find someone that matches those. Well, and I think so much of this is like life stage also, right? So a lot of people meet when they're younger and they don't maybe have as much money or as much financial security built up. We met when we were a little bit older and more established, right? We were in our 30s. But we also met at a time when... Like you said, divorce is expensive and anyone splitting households and then all of a sudden being, you know, one person, you got to like rebuy everything, right? There's all this stuff. I think the idea is someone that can match your energy during that phase of life. And so someone coming in and realizing, hey, like you've just been through a divorce, like money's kind of tight and that's okay. And we can have a great relationship while money's tight. And someday we may have a lot more flexibility and freedom to spend more and that's great. And we'll get there together and I'm going to be a part of that process. And, you know, I, I think that to me is like you want, it's not about like, I feel like sometimes when we talk about like money being important in a relationship, again, it comes across wrong and is like superficial and I'm more mean, like to me, money and talking about financial stuff, it's talking about life. It's what, like everything you want to do in life costs money. And so you're talking about like what matters to you in life and what you value and what is intentional to you. And money is the topic around that, but it's not about the money. It's about what's important to you in life. And that to me is what you need to be so aligned with, with your partner of choice. Yeah. And even your comment of couples that meet earlier in life when they don't have as much money, I think there are still things to look for. What are What is that person's attitude around debt? Do they view debt as a tool to build, such as appropriate debt as, you know, a mortgage? Yeah, they're building a real uh, a estate debt empire. To, yeah, debt to start a business. Or are they someone who views debt as an easy way to live beyond their means? Yeah, are they whining and dining you on debt? Like on, that would yeah. be super unattractive to me. And so I think those are still things you can talk to people about. You know, are they content living within their means now, knowing that as life progresses and your income increases, you will have more money to do more extravagant things? Um, So those are little things I think that you can talk about openly, even if you're younger and 
both people are coming in without much money to this point. So when we talk about dating and the cost of love and and dating, what do you think, Maggie? Are there some ways to still woo someone, date someone, have a great, you know, dating life without spending lots of money? Yeah, I think, look, I know there's the whole love languages thing, which I I can't remember. I think it might have been canceled or something, but uh, like the author of it, I don't remember. But the idea of like everyone's love language is different. And like mine happens to be acts of service. Like I love acts of service. You know that. I love the de- the coffee. Thank you. But everyone's is different. Some people do like gifts. But I do think it doesn't cost any money to show your love to someone. And actually some of the best things you can do are the things that don't cost money. Like Greg, you could go out and buy me... What are the new Apple goggles called? Apple Vision Pro. You could buy me the Apple Vision Pro for Valentine's Day. Hint, hint. Or you could like write... You know that I love like a really good like written card or letter or something. And like not even a card that you bought at the store because I think that's kind of a waste of money. And you know that if you have flowers delivered to me, I'll get kind of annoyed because it's there's such a big markup on that. It's such a waste of money. And... So you know the person you're with, but my point is like for me, the things that put your your like mental energy into something are way more valuable and appreciated by me than you throwing money at something. Like I can throw money at something and I know you could too if you want to, but I want your time and energy and focus because that to me is love. And to me, the best presents involve that. And you're in a little bit of creativity and a little bit of you, like even getting outside your comfort zone because your comfort zone is not necessarily like planning a date or do but you'll do it. And you've done it many, many times in your life. Right. And I know when you do that, that I'm like, oh, he like thought ahead. He, you know, did all these things. And so like some ideas are stuff like write a letter, write a poem. It doesn't need to be good. It doesn't need to be. We just, oh, we just went to our very first poetry slam last night at this bar in Atlanta. It was like really, it was kind of, it was fascinating. And like, I actually really enjoyed it. Yeah, I enjoyed it more than I thought I would wow. as well. And that was like a really cheap date. I mean, it was 10 bucks each to get in. And actually had either of us agreed to say something during the open mic, which the host like was like, wink, wink, you can get in for five if you just, and Greg was like, I'll pay double to not be on the mic. Um, anyways, we could have gotten in for five each is my point, but it was like a $20 date. It was super cheap and it was fun. It was just like doing something different together. Like that to me was fun. And so anyways, you there's just all these things you can do to show your love to someone for nothing to very little. So cooking a meal, planning a picnic, giving your partner a massage, like that's something nice and you can make it a little special. Put, you know, dim the lights, light a candle, put some nice music on. I always say a massage is gonna be like win-win in the end because like it's probably gonna end in some other things. Wink, wink. That's something that's like nice and they're gonna enjoy it. And you know, they show you put a little thought into it and you're not just like, oh, hey, can uh, this is my bro voice. Oh, hey. Can I give you a massage now? Like, it's like, you know, maybe write a little note, put it on the counter, say like, I've got a special massage for you planned at six o'clock tonight. Meet me in the bed, you know, like come here, maybe have a little scavenger hunt where there's a little, a few little clues around the house that get, that tell the person about that. So they know it's happening. And you know, the delivery can be part of the specialness of whatever you're doing. If you plan a little picnic, it could just be a little candlelit dinner on the back deck, but you have a few little scavenger hunt clues around the house and you included all my favorite foods and you showed that you know me. And so, I mean, I think there's so many things you can do. And I think it is all about thinking about your partner and what they would appreciate and value. And if you don't know, go ask them, you know, don't ask them like on the eve of their birthday, ask them like on a random day. 
be like, hey, babe, like, what's the most, like, what do you get most excited about? If you, you know, if you haven't just figured it out over time, like, just ask the question and then write it down and remember it for the future. That's my thoughts on, like, I just, again, like, to me, those things you do for me, I'm trying to think, Greg, of some of the things you've done for me where they're the most, well, you know, I have a terrible memory, so this is a bad exercise. I've ba- bad a corner I back myself into. But, like, when you just write a little note on the coffee maker, I already know there's coffee in there because I can see you've, like, prepped it for me and put a clean mug under it. I mean, it's fully prepped. All I literally have to do is hit a button. And often I screw that part up because you kind of, like, <laughs> on the Keurig, there's, like, it's confusing how many times you hit the button. Anyways, you'll leave a note sometimes on it. Or, like, God, what are some other things you've done? I don't know. I'm bad at recalling. <laughs> me too. But great stuff. You 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 give great massages. You, I think you, you know, there's times that you'll like plan something out. Even sometimes I'll even drop in. I'll be like, oh, we need to like go out and, you know, do something. Like there's nothing. The, here's the other thing. I'm not into like playing games. Like if you are on the end of a partnership where you're feeling like your partner hasn't done much for you lately and you need a little love and attention or something, tell them. You know, even if it's a dropping a hint or just directly be like, I just feel like we haven't done anything in a while. I mean, there's ways you can say it where you're not like crapping on your partner Mm. and you're just sort of dropping some breadcrumbs for them to follow. Right. Like, I just think like open, honest, vulnerable communication in a relationship about everything, including finances, is so critical to the success of a relationship. And I don't think you should expect your partner to read your mind. So if your partner isn't one to do all of like some of the things I just listed, like write a letter, plan a picnic, plan a little, you could plan a little adventure day out where you like in Atlanta, we have a cool belt line, like go walk on the belt line and like have some stuff pre-planned where you're like, I've done some research and we're going to stop here and get a coffee and then go find a poetry slam. Yeah. Go find a poetry slam. And like plan something kind of just fun and different out like that. But if your partner's not the one to do that, like uh, send them this podcast and be like, oh, I thought this would be a fun podcast for us to listen to together. Now they're going to know because I just said that. And they're going to be like, wait, am I that person? But there, my point is there's nothing wrong with telling your partner what you need. This is not a game. They don't need to like, some people are good at reading your mind and like, figuring out, you know, your cues. Some people aren't and they need to be told what you like. As opposed to resenting them and feeling like maybe they're not the right partner. Don't For discount sure. them if they're yeah. maybe not quite as quite as much of a romantic at heart. I mean, yeah. that's definitely not everyone's not as romantically inclined. It doesn't mean they don't love or care about you. It just might mean that that's just doesn't come quite as naturally yeah. to them. Yeah, I know someone who is married to a guy who is awesome, like in all respects. He's not the one to think proactively about like a cool gift or like planning something special. But as soon as she gave him that feedback early on in their relationship and he understood how important it was to her, he got on, you know, like people are trainable. And I don't mean that in like a, you know, like to discount. I mean, trainable sounds like you're like a dog or something, but people are trainable and coachable and that like you have to tell people what you want and what you need and what's important to you and i'm beating a dead horse at this point but well maggie those are all really good ideas and i agree with that everything you said i mean for me you are amazing at writing little of letters and notes and i always love them they're creative they're funny they're sweet and they mean so much more to me than 
something you could buy. And we do. We find ways to find affordable dates. Sometimes we splurge and we do have a more expensive date. And I think that's okay too. I think when that's not the norm, it makes it even more special. Yeah. So that's something too. It's not to say you can't ever splurge and have a a date on a, you know, on your anniversary or some thing that's important to you. Yeah. But when the norm isn't fancy expensive dates, it makes those fancy expensive dates feel even more novel and special. So lots of ways to date affordably, whether you're in a dating phase or you're married and you're dating to keep, keep things exciting and special Keep that spark going keep the fire going on that note greg you've heard me say this many times and i will just wrap it up on this i actually care more about you doing something on a non-holiday because that shows me that you're like caring when hallmark didn't remind you you need to care right like he greg knows i would rather him do something not on valentine's day like he gets more kudos for doing something on a random day i'd say than like valentine's day um And again, I'm not like keeping score here when I say kudos. I just mean like I appreciate it even more when it's random. And another thing you're when when I couldn't think of like kind of stuff you'll do that doesn't cost anything, Greg, like there's certain nights that Greg will be like, oh, let's just like watch a rom-com, which he knows is my thing. Like he's willing to watch it and you've watched many with me, but you know, they'll like just that he'll sort of be like, oh, like let's watch a good movie tonight and let's just kind of like, and you pick it. And like I picked, and he'll, sometimes he'll be like, I found a couple already. Like, which one do you like? And I'm like, oh, he did a little bit of research and we're going to Netflix and chill tonight. And like, that's one of my favorite nights. And you, and then you like, oh, get some food. And then you like, let me eat it on the couch in front of the movie, which is my favorite. You know, we've talked about that. I just think those, like to me, those smaller, thoughtful, little like everyday acts are why the phrase love don't cost a thing is real and i think true love not to be like too cheesy or sentimental but like true love doesn't require a lot of money to be thrown at it and i think that is a good point to end on yeah i agree i think this is an important topic and i think it's um be conscious when you're out there and you're dating and it's crazy out there y'all in the dating world yeah were you gonna say be conscious of what (laughs) i don't even know what to say honestly (laughs) yeah be conscious don't be unconscious good tip (laughs) That's um, okay. Well, thank you all for listening. Happy almost Valentine's Day. Or you might be listening to this on Valentine's Day or after Valentine's Day. Whatever. Happy February. Happy whatever. You could be listening to this anytime. So bye. Thank you for listening. We know your time is always valuable and limited. We appreciate you spending some of it with us. If you have enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you want to give us a written review on Apple Podcasts. Or you can leave us a rating on Spotify. We also love when you share this with someone else. So like I said earlier, like share this with a potential partner or a family member that you think would get something out of it. And we love to encourage, you know, just ongoing discussions around money. You can also subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And then if you have any thoughts or questions, we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a voicemail or text us at 404 981 3370 or hit us up on the gram the gram i like it okay bye greg i love you bye love you too maggie